Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I was glad y'all clapped when I walked up here because I watched the service last week and y'all clapped when Brother Bill spoke. And, <laughs> and I was going to get my feelings hurt if you, if you did. Could you just do it one more time? Come on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Memorial Day is tomorrow, and that is a day that we, as a nation, we have set it aside for the purpose of honoring and remembering those who have stood up for this nation, fought for this nation, and died so that this nation would stand and freedom would be preserved. And uh, for all those who have ever served, and especially those who have given their lives, boy, how, how thankful we, we should be. And so, and I've been told uh, that we have a Navy SEAL who is visiting with us today. I'm not going to call his name because I think that's improper. I don't think that's allowed. I'm not even going to ask him to stand, but uh, just know we are so thankful for people like you who are willing. To put themselves in harm's way uh, so that we have the freedom to do what we're doing right now. I have to tell you, I love the song that Lee Greenwood sings. Don't you love that? And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me. And I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. This is the part I like because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Wow. Wow. And I just want to say something to you today. And I think we need to say this from time to time, maybe more often. In spite of the high gas prices and the taxes we pay and the, the growing political divide in our nation, and the moral decay that seems to be getting worse and worse every day, and the unimaginable atrocities like that which took place in Uvalde. And, and I can't leave out the shameful pockets of racism that still exist in this nation, and a host of other issues and problems. 
I'd still rather live here than any place on the planet. This is home. This is home. And I, I, want you to, I want you to think about something. I don't know how you feel about our, the border issues and the illegals, as they call them, coming across into America, the United States. Uh, I'm not making a political stand. Uh, why do we have to make everything political? I, why do we why do, We don't have to, do we? I, I don't know how you feel about that, but have you thought about this? That there are people who are risking their lives to get into this country. And nobody is risking their life to get out of this country. I, I mean, they want to come into this country. For many in the world today, America, the United States of America, is still the promised land. It's the land of hope. It's the land of opportunity. And, and in spite of all the problems we have, and boy, don't we have a lot of them. In spite of all those problems, they still want to get here. They still want to live here. They want to make this their home. I, one of my dearest friends in the whole world, we talk about this often, one of my dearest friends in the whole world would give anything if he could move to America and bring his family and live here. He, he works on it constantly. I pray for him that one day he'll be able to do that. And Sandor Angel, if you're listening to this, God bless you. I love you, brother. And I can't wait to have you back in our church to speak in this pulpit. He's preached here, but he can't get back into the United States now. And, and so, now listen, I know. I know that there are people who want to come into this nation and they have evil intentions. But for the most part, those who are trying to get into this nation, they just want a chance. They just want a chance to have what you have and to have what I have. They want a chance. I, I'm, I, again, I'm not saying we should open the border. I'm not making a political stand one way or the other, but what I am saying, hear me, church, maybe we should stop taking for granted the great and wonderful and blessings that we have from God in this nation. The Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. It's found in Psalm 46. I honestly believe there are times we need to say, Say no to all the voices uh, that are shouting at us in the world. And there are times when we need to be still and just remember who he is, what he's done for us. Could we just do something this morning? Would you just stand with me very reverently? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, your word says be still and know that you are God. And so today we take a moment, we take a moment to be still and to remember. Would you just take a moment and remember the men and women who gave their lives so that you and I have the freedom to do what we're doing right at this moment?
they, they sacrificed everything. They gave up the life they could have had so you and I could have the life we now have. Oh, just remember. And then would you just remember how blessed you are? I, I'm pretty sure none of us deserve this blessing. None of us. But we're here. And to whom much has been given, much is expected. And so, Father, we want to remember what all you've done for us. And then, Lord, right now, we, we just we want to focus on the opportunity you've given us. Oh, God, help us to wake up. Help this sleeping giant of a church, not just here but across America, to wake up. Help us to stand up. Help us to be counted. Help us to make a difference. We bow before you, the Lord God of all creation. And we ask God that you would move upon us. Individually and collectively as a body. That we might honor you, Lord. That those who died for us will not have died in vain but that we will stand tall for you. Bless this church and bless this day, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. You may not be familiar with the name Jonathan Judah Isaac. First time I saw that name, I laughed. I thought Jonathan's biblical name, Judah's a biblical name, and Isaac's a biblical name. Jonathan Judah Isaac. Anybody know who he is? Hold your hand up. You will. You will know who he is. Jonathan Judah Isaac is a basketball player who played at Florida State University. Yay. He was drafted by the Orlando Magic. And he did something that caught the attention of the nation. Some loved it. Some hated it. But he stood for his convictions. When everybody else on his team wore Black Lives Matter t-shirts and bowed while the national anthem was being played, he stood. He stood alone. I want you to see the picture. Here he is. Every member of the coaching staff and every member of the team wore the shirts and bowed. He alone stood. He wrote a book entitled, After He Did This, Why I Stand, that tells his story. Just a few days ago, it became a national bestseller. One writer put it this way, he went from man on the court to man of God. I want you to listen to his words. We're going to play a little video for you at this time. Jonathan, you've made history tonight. You are the tallest person we've ever had on our show. Okay. I like that. I like that. But you I know, about that. I, I must tell you, I am so impressed with your courage. And you did something that just made you a hero to many Americans. And it was not something you were trying to be a show out about, but you believed when the national anthem was played, all the other members of the team, 
of the Orlando Magic. All were wearing Black Lives Matter shirt. You did not. And when the national anthem was played, they were all on their knees, and you stood tall. I think it was just a remarkable moment, and I heard you describe it later in an interview. But tell us, why did you not go along with the crowd? Yeah. Well, first off, I'm not here alone. So <laughs> I just want to shout out my beautiful wife, wherever she is. I can't see her. She's in the audience as well. I'm just sitting right back there. Thank you. And uh, also my pastor is here. I think we'll meet him a little bit later. We are going to. We are. Well. Absolutely. Uh, but when everything had happened, as tragic as George Floyd's death was, yeah. uh, what I tried my best to do is take a step back and think, what is the best way for me to respond in a way that could bring real change? Yeah. Um, and so there was so much pressure on the NBA players to kneel and wear the T-shirt. Um, but the same way that everybody else decided in that moment what would be right for them, I looked at my life and I said, you know what? The love of Jesus Christ and the gospel is what has helped change me. And then that, that is the message that I wanted to stand up and share, um, that we are all on the same playing field, that we all fall short of God's glory. And if we could choose to love in the way that, God's lo that God loves us in spite of our faults, in spite of our differences, then we can have real change. Jonathan, one of the things that you said that I've heard is that we're individuals that we don't do things by group. And when someone was, I, I was watching the interviewer who was trying to bait you into saying that um, there was a lot of racism is horrible. And, and that's true. But you responded by saying, you know, it's not about being black or being white. It's about being an individual related to Christ. And I thought, how refreshing it is to hear someone just say, I, I, I'm an individual and my relationship to God is not because of my color, my gender, uh, or even because I'm a great basketball player. Where, where did that all come from in you? Well, it, it was definitely a journey to get there. And so much about why I stand isn't, isn't just about the stand. It's about the journey of how I got there in the first place. When I grew up, I really struggled with fear, anxiety, self-insecurity. And it was a process in me getting to where I am right now. In the book, I detail my relationship with my pastor, how I get to this place in the first place. But I think so much of human nature is to kind of back away into this tribalism that we're all, you know, from our specific place. But um, I think the gospel brings us together and helps us to see each other past our differences, past our faults. And we're human at the end of the day. So we're going to hurt each other. We're going to do bad things. But again, if we can love and forgive the way God loves and forgives us, then we could, you know, overcome a lot of the things that we see today in the world. But I get the impression that basketball is not the center of your life. It is a part of your life. But it's not the most important thing. What is the most important thing? Well, ultimately, the most important thing for me is to use my platform and what God has given me ultimately to glorify him. And so I, I found myself in a moment where I said, I know what the right thing is. I know what is truly going to heal this world and heal the hearts of men. And I'm going to be willing to stand up and, and declare it. And I was on the phone the night before with my pastor and I said, yo, this thing is going to be crazy. I don't think you understand the backlash or, you know, all that's going to yeah. come from it. Um, but he said something to me. He said, you cannot stand for God and God not stand for you. Mm. And so that's when we decided and said, you know what? We're going to go through it. We're going to stand. Uh, I've watched that several times. I tell you, I love this guy. I love this guy. How, how amazing. And I want you to understand something. Because I, I, I've watched it several times, and I wanted to make sure I got this. He's not against Black Lives Matter. He just knows 
that the Black Lives Matter movement is not the answer. He knows that Jesus Christ is the answer. Now, I need to speak to you. Do you know that the Republican Party is not the answer? Oh, I'm getting close to home, aren't I? Do you know that the Republican Party is not the answer? Jesus Christ is the answer. And the Democratic Party is not the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. You see, it's easy for us to look at somebody else and their movement and be critical. But it's hard for us to look at what we're involved in. I just want to tell you today, there are no movements in this world that can solve our problems. Jesus Christ is the answer. I, I immediately, the first time I saw this, I immediately bought the book. And, and in the introduction, this is what he says. In this book, you'll see the freedom and peace found in the love of Jesus Christ. My prayer is that you will be inspired with the courage to live beyond the smokescreen of fear and choose to receive and demonstrate the love of God in your everyday life. Yeah. I'm, I'm serious. I'm going to send this guy an invitation to come and preach in our church. I want to bring him here. You say he'll never come and preach here. Ah, don't be so sure. God can do some stuff. And so, but he's going to get an invitation anyway. He had the courage to stand. And now God is using him to touch lives all over America. Do you know when he, do you know how he met, if you watch the whole clip, how he met his pastor? He gets on the elevator. His pastor gets on the elevator. They had never met before. And he didn't know that it was a pastor. And his pastor looked at him and said, I'll tell you how to be great. And his response was, I'm in the NBA, man. I'm already great. He said, I'm going to tell you how to be great. He said, choose Jesus Christ and you'll be great. And they interview his pastor and you can watch the clip. You can look it up for yourself. But how, how amazing. And didn't you love the statement? If you stand up for God, he'll stand up for you. I want to take just a few moments this morning and talk to you about how we can stand up. Do you agree that he's not the only one that needs to stand up and be counted and make a difference? How can we stand up? Well, first of all, I, I just want to tell you, we need to be fully committed to the truth. If you're halfway committed to the truth, you won't stand. You've got to be fully committed to the truth. You have to believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ is the truth. He is the answer. And he's what we need. He's what this church needs. He's what this nation needs. Uh, in a large city, on one of those walls where they put all those murals, Somebody painted, Jesus Christ is the answer. And then somebody underneath that put, what is the question? And then somebody else wrote, whatever the question, Jesus Christ is the answer.
Do you believe that today? He's the answer. Jesus is the answer. We should be very, very careful, church, not to allow ourselves to be drawn into a counterfeit movement that promises to solve the problems of our world because they can't do it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the only way. He's the only truth, and he's the only one who can give life. And we have to believe that. Uh, if you, if you want to stand up, stand out, and make a difference, then we have to believe he is the truth. And we have to be fully committed to that. And it's only then that we'll have the courage to do what he did. And I do believe with all my heart that all of us will have the opportunity We'll have the opportunity to take a stand. The next thing I want to share with you is that we should use the name of Jesus. I was just trying to think about some real simple ways that you and I could stand up. And first is that we're fully committed to the truth. And then that we start using the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. I can't stress that too much. I love this about Jonathan Isaac. He is not ashamed of the name of Jesus. Whether he's on television or in his book, he uses the name of Jesus. Years ago, I did a revival in Mississippi. And I was the preacher and there was a worship leader there. And he and I spent the week together. And the first day, it was during the day, we were having revival services at night. We were in a situation, I don't remember all the details, but somebody said something blasphemous. And the moment they said something blasphemous, this worship leader said, well, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. And I looked at him. I mean, this guy has just blasphemed our God and our faith. And he's saying, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. And so when we got in the car, I said, man, you got to explain this to me because that just doesn't make sense to me. And he said, well, let me tell you the whole story. He said, I work in the shipyard here. And he said, we have a, a huge open space and there are dozens of desks and we're all real close together. We don't even have cubicles. And he said, one day I was seated at my desk and he said, the big boss, the owner had flown into town. And he was walking through all the offices and the big boss came in and he stood right at the end of my desk and he was talking to the entourage around him. And in the process, he took the name of the Lord in vain. And he said, when he did that, the guy behind me stood up, interrupted the boss and said, praise Jesus. I love Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. And he said, it got deathly quiet. And he said, the boss looked at him, said he just sat back down and went back to work. And said, nobody was hardly breathing. The boss man turned around and walked out the door. And he said, as soon as he walked out, everybody said, what in the world was that all about? 
And he said, the man seated behind me in that desk said this. He said, I made up my mind a long time ago that if somebody has the audacity to blaspheme my God in public, I'll praise him in public. And every blasphemy I hear, I counter it with the name of Jesus. He said, so from that day forward, I made up my mind. If you curse my God publicly, I'm going to praise him publicly. If you've got the nerve to curse him publicly, I've got the faith to praise him publicly. I, I love that. I love that. The name of Jesus. Have you ever thought about how powerful that name is? We get saved by that name, don't we? People get healed by that name. People get delivered by that name. Actually, the Bible teaches us to place that name on people, to pray that name over people. The name of Jesus, the beautiful, beautiful name of Jesus. Forgive me, I just can't help myself, but I, I, as I was putting some of these notes down early this morning, I thought about that narration. Jesus, the mere mention of his name, can calm the storm, heal the broken, and raise the dead. At the name of Jesus, sin-hardened men are melted, derelicts transformed, and the lights of hope put back into the eyes of a hopeless child. At the name of Jesus, hatred and bitterness turn to love and forgiveness. I've heard a mother softly breathe his name at the bedside of a child delirious from fever, and I've watched that little body grow quiet and the fevered brow cooled. I've sat beside a dying saint, her body racked with pain, who in those final fleeting moments summoned her last ounce of ebbing strength to whisper earth's sweetest name, Jesus, Jesus. Listen up. Emperors have tried to destroy it. Philosophies have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claimed it. Yet still it stands. And there shall come that final day when every voice that has ever uttered a sound, every voice of Adam's race will come together to proclaim the name of Jesus. For Yes, come on. For in that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One more time, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, my goodness. You want to stand up? You want to stand out? You want to make a difference? Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, use the name of Jesus. I'm not telling you that everybody's going to love it. I'm not saying that it won't offend people. But I am saying this. Jesus said, if you confess me before men. And that's not talking about walking down this aisle. That's talking about living your life out there confessing him as Lord and Savior. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. I'm not sure about you. I think I know. But I want Jesus speaking my name before the Father. And so I'm going to speak his name before a lost world. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, you say, listen, let me help you out. 
Don't go out there and say, I love the Lord. Because Lord means all kinds of things to all kinds of people. Don't just say, I love God. I mean, you can say that. There's nothing wrong with that, either one of those. But if you say that, that may mean a host of things to a lot of people. But when you say, I love Jesus, and there's no mistake. Boy, demons tremble at that name. Oh, things, things start shaking when you use that name of Jesus. So just three things this morning. And, and let me just pause right here. I, I want to come back to this subject later on. So I would like for you, all of you, if you'll do this, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, maybe with your Bible in your hand, jot down some way in which you think we as Christians should stand up and stand out. Because I want to read some of them to the congregation. So I want you to make some notes. So be fully committed to the truth. Start using the name of Jesus on a regular basis before your children, uh, wherever you go. Isn't it time that we come out of the closet? Be open in public with who we are, regardless of how people respond to it. One last thing. Start doing the radical stuff this Bible says for us to do. I think what Jonathan Isaac did was radical, don't you? I think his emphasis on putting Jesus Christ first above any movement, even if he agrees with the movement. It doesn't matter if you agree with the movement. Put Jesus Christ first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Put that first. Start doing some radical stuff. Just start doing the radical stuff the Bible says. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. The problem is, is we read it, we preach it, we sing it, we just don't do it. Why aren't we doing it? Love your enemies. I'll stop right now if you want to. We've got plenty of time today. I'll stop right now, walk around the building. Somebody stand up and give me a testimony of how this last week you loved on an enemy of yours. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm not trying to, to make you feel bad. I'm trying to drive home a point that the Bible has some radical stuff in it. And we talk about it. We write about it. We preach about it. We sing about it. We just don't do it. Isn't it time we start doing the radical stuff the Bible says do? Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Anybody turn the other cheek lately? No. You mess with me, I'll put you in your place. Don't worry about anything. I'm convinced with all my heart that one of the ways the enemy totally defeats a good portion of the church of Jesus Christ is he gets them all worried and all bothered about all the bad stuff going on in the world. And the Bible says, don't worry about anything. I don't care what you're worrying about today. Come to the altar at the end of the service, repent and ask God to help you break that terrible habit. Don't worry about anything. You know what's next. Pray about everything. You can't worry and pray at the same time. 
So love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Rejoice when you're being persecuted. When people start persecuting you, you rejoice. I'm not sure y'all are enjoying this. Thank you. Hey, listen, we will enjoy this. If we get enough nerve to believe that Jesus is the only way, if we start using his name and we start doing the radical stuff this book tells us to do. Here's one. If you've hurt somebody, if you've said something you shouldn't say, if you've mistreated somebody, repent and go to them and make it right. And here's a news flash. You are not right all the time. You make mistakes. You say things you shouldn't say. You treat people in a way that you shouldn't treat them at times. Sometimes you're rude. Sometimes you're ugly. Sometimes you miss the mark. I'm sorry, but you are human. And you do that sometime. I do that sometime. And when you do it and the Holy Spirit brings it to your mind, you go to that person and you repent. You ask God to forgive you and you go to them and ask them to forgive you. You may say, and people have said this to me, well, what if they won't forgive me? That's their business. It's your business to try to go make it right. Um, 19 years ago, I was seated at a table and a controversy developed. And I was rude. I mean, I was ugly. I was pharisaical. I was the know-it-all preacher who has all the answers. And I meant I was going to put somebody in their place. And a month or so back, it's been two or three months ago now, I was preparing a message on repentance and about making it right with other people. And the Holy Spirit started dealing with my heart. Why are you going to preach it when you don't even live it? And I kept getting flashbacks about what I said at that table that day. And the more I tried to prepare, the more I'd get these flashbacks. And it was like the Holy Spirit just took me back to that table. And I sat right there. And I saw myself like they saw me. And it was disgusting. I was at home that day. I got on my knees. I said, Lord, forgive me. And if you'll give me the chance. After 19 years, I'll go to that person and repent. I'm talking to somebody today. I'm talking to somebody. The Holy Spirit's using me to get through to you. I said, Lord, please give me an opportunity. And it wasn't but about a month and a half later. There he was. We were in a crowd of people. I called him off to the side. I said, I need to talk to you. He walks off to the side. And I said, man, I I need to repent. And he said, what are you repenting for? I said, the way I treated you. The way I spoke to you. I said, look at me and tell me that you don't remember that day at that table. He said, oh, I remember it. People don't forget it. The devil won't let them forget 
when we as Christians behave in an ugly manner. He said, I remember. And I said, would you please, please, please forgive me? And that man stood there. Let me tell you what he did. He did this. He went. And he hugged my neck. And when he was hugging my neck, I said, I am so sorry. And the next words that came out of his mouth, this is what he said. He said, I'm coming to your church. I hadn't even invited him to church. Listen, just a little bit of genuine, honest humility and Christianity will touch a lost and dark and dying world. Just for us to start doing the radical stuff the Bible says do. He doesn't live in the county, but he told me just a couple of days ago, he said, I, w- I saw him again. I said, we're getting ready to do some building. We're, we're renovating. We're going to have to enlarge. We're running out of space. And I said, I don't know what we're going to do, but I'm sure we're going to end up building something. And he said, and as soon as I move to the county, I'm going to be a part of it. I didn't, I, that's it. That's all I did is ask him to radical stuff. Why don't we start doing what God's word says do? Years ago, uh, I got a letter. And it was not a good letter. The, The letter was just an attack against me as an individual. The letter accused me of being disingenuous, being hypocritical, being deceptive. Uh, I don't know, just about everything you can imagine. I don't remember the exact wording. And, and, and I need to tell you this. There are times, more times than I uh, would like, but there are times when I have to get on my knees and I have to say, Father, forgive me, I shouldn't have said that. Father, forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. Father, I was wrong. I, 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 I'm, I'm in there repenting just like the rest of you. I hope you are. But when I read that letter, it made me mad. I mean, I was mad. So I took that letter and I went in and I gave it to Diane Gray. She was our church administrator in those days. I said, read this letter. When you get mad, you want to find somebody that will help you get madder. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. She's going to read this letter and she's going to get, she's going to be on my team. She's going to be defensive. I'm going to show people this letter. And, 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 you know, you know how we are, don't you? She read the letter and I said, what do you think? And being the godly woman she is. And you do need some godly people in your life who will look at you and set you straight at times. And she read that letter and she handed it back to me. I said, what do you think I should do? And this is exactly what she said. She said, wad it up and throw it in the trash can and never mention it again. I'll get somebody else to read this letter. Actually, somebody else did walk through the door. You remember that day, Diane? And I let them read it. 
I am not making this up. A godly man walked through that door. I let him read it. And, and I said, what do you think I should do? And of course, Diane's over laughing when he says it. And he said, throw it away, man. <laughs> Just throw it away. I wadded it up. I threw it in the trash can. And I, I, I got it. I put it under the blood. I just forgive somebody who hasn't even asked for it. There are times you're going to need to forgive people who don't even ask for it. They don't deserve it. They don't even want your forgiveness, but do it anyway. So I forgave. And it wasn't too long after that. When I was face to face with that person that wrote that letter. And the devil was on one side saying, this is your opportunity. <laughs> and the Lord was on this side speaking to my heart. And the only word I could hear from the Lord was love, love. I'm not making this up. I went straight at that individual. I wrapped my arms around him. I said, I love you. And that letter has never been mentioned again that I know of. And to this day, I have a relationship. Well, I just mentioned it then, didn't I? <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. And from that day forward, we, uh, we've been friends. The devil, have you ever said something that you wish you hadn't said and you wish it could just be under the blood and never brought up and never mentioned again? Hold your hand up. Well, if that's true of us, it's true of other people. Why can't we just let some things go? Let me tell you, some people, some people who are mean and ugly to you actually love you. They just don't know how to behave properly. Just like you and I don't know how to behave properly. Wow, I have no idea where I am in my notes. <laughs> Mm. Have you let the enemy convince you that something is okay when it's not okay? Do you come to church on Sunday morning to worship? I heard this not, uh, uh, not long ago, uh, a week or so back. Uh, I'll never speak to that person again. Has the enemy convinced you that you can come to church, come to the altar, worship God, sing his praises and, and be pleasing to God. And yet there's somebody and you, you, you would never speak to them again. Man, really? What about the radical stuff we're to be involved in? I encourage you today, love somebody who doesn't deserve it. Forgive somebody who doesn't deserve it. Give generously to someone who needs it. Be different. Follow Jesus. Stand up for your convictions. Very important. Not with anger in your heart, but with the love of God. If you can't stand with the love of God, then don't stand. Because the enemy is going to use you. Start thinking for yourself. Don't let some group, movement, or political party have your allegiance. You can only have one master. Start praying for people you don't like. They may not change, but you will. I told somebody the other day, I said, I love you. They said, you don't even know me. 
And I said, that's beside the point. I've been calling your name out every day in prayer. And there's something about praying for people that makes you love them. And I love you. You know what he did? He hugged my neck. I'm just a huggable person. You know that, don't you? (laughs) But I loved it. It was a good hug. Stop talking about what's wrong all the time. Turn the bad news off and get in the good news of God's Word. I'm convinced that the news networks in America are going to kill us. All of them. I'm sure there's some good, but the good news of God's Word is better. Start standing up for what's right. There will be times when you will need to bow in submission to Christ when others are standing against everything you believe. And there will be times when you will need to stand tall when others are bowing in allegiance to the world. Listen, I I, I just got all inspired with this Jonathan Isaac thing because he made up his mind to be an individual. That's what I'm asking you to do. Believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the only answer. I'm not saying that some of these movements can't do good, but they don't sell out to them. Start using the name of Jesus and start radically following him with your actions. Would you stand with me, please? I want you to stand because that's the title of the message, Stand Up. And I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read it to you. And let it sink in. I pray in Jesus' name that what I'm about to read will impact your life more than it has ever touched you. Sometimes we read over scriptures quickly. But I want this one to touch us. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. Why? Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Aren't you glad we have mercy? Beloved, I beg you. As sojourners and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works. Don't miss this. Which they observe. Hold on. People have to see it. We're to be lights set on a hill that they may see your good works, the good works which they observe. And because they've seen 
the godly things that are going on in your life and my life, they glorify God in the day of visitation. Do you understand what that means? That means that you've so impacted their life. I've so impacted them that they get right with God. And on the day that Jesus shows up, oh, oh, they are glorifying God. Oh, Father, bless us today. Bless us today. Wake us up. Shake us up. Help us, oh God, to stand up. Help us to make a difference. Help us to live our lives radically for you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Now we're going to sing. And this altar is open. And I'm asking you not even to waste any time at all. Just come get on your knees. You forgive, forgive somebody here today and then go tell them later. Just get it right. If you've hurt somebody, make a commitment today that you're going to, that you're going to make it right. Make a commitment that Christ will be first. That he will be first and he alone will be number one in your life. Father, in Jesus name, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jonathan Isaac. Thank you for his courage. Help us, Lord. Encourage us, Lord, to stand tall for you. Bless this invitation. And Lord, I do pray that there's one person here who does not know you, is not sure of their own salvation, that today will be the day they come to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.